0: Now, before I preach the sermon, I want to explain that I think today is for us about a breakthrough. So I want to say thank you to those uh, who are here today who are visitors. You're very, very welcome. You might not have picked the best day to come because of what I'm going to talk about, but it's a talk for the church. It's a talk for those who know Jesus Christ And it's definitely not for those who are just curious about him or wondering who he is. That's something we want to help you find out. Um, We have a vision in this church, and that vision is described in four clauses. It's described as living under God's reign. And that basically means that Christians are called to live loving, obedient lives to Jesus. But also more than that, they're called to look outwards beyond the church to seek where God is working, what the kingdom of God is happening at the moment, living under God's reign. We are called to worship wholeheartedly when we gather here and when we're dispersed 24-7. And we want to grow our worship. We want to be worshippers of Jesus and for what we do here to be principally about him. We want to learn to be Whole life disciples. That means we're not Sunday Christians. We're people who follow Jesus seven days a week in every area of life. And I would expect that the greatest impact of the church is not when it's in a building like this, but when it's dispersed through the week. That's what that means. And finally, and we do this, we want to reach out locally, regionally, and across the world with the love of Jesus. And that's not part of the sermon. I haven't even warmed up yet. The point of saying that is, some of you have said, those are just words on a page. There is nothing I can do to lift the words off the page. It's only as we live them out that those values become a reality in our midst. And I commend to you this morning that this is not something that the church can put on a program to make happen. It is something every one of us must embrace. So as I begin the sermon, I want to say this. We here pray for a breakthrough of blessing from God. We pray that the kingdom of God will come. We pray that the renewal of the Holy Spirit will flood into the life of this church. And we pray that it won't touch a handful, but that it will touch everyone. And in what I'm about to share with you this morning, I want to say this is not for a few. The breakthrough that I long to see is that we start to accomplish something that we've never achieved in our known history. We've never achieved what I want to share with you today in our known history. And we've achieved amazing things under God's help. So, let's go, let's have the slide. I remember going to see Les Mis with Sue at a very early stage in our relationship and it was a very beautiful time for us. I was actually not well uh, when we went to see this, so there's a poignancy to the way that evening played itself out. But Victor Hugo's uh, great novel that's in a film and a play, there's a famous scene that takes place between Jean Valjean, the bishop, and the magistrate. And Jean Valjean is befriended and given lodgings by the bishop. And he pinches the bishop's precious candlesticks. The bishop reports the theft, a magistrate is brought in and questions Jean Valjean in the bishop's presence. And as the scene unfolds, Valjean appears to be heading for jail. And surprisingly, the bishop retracts his charges and offers an excuse for the missing candlesticks. Jean Valjean is stunned. When he and the bishop are alone, he asks, Why did you do that? You know I'm guilty. I pinched the candlesticks. And the bishop simply replies, "Life." Life is forgiving. This is the great principle of generous living. And today I want to talk about living generously. I want to talk to a church full of Christians about living generously. And I pray Almighty God would turn our hearts and renew us as his people. As Paul writes to the church at Corinth, he shares basic components of the Christian faith and instructs the church on how to live as a Christian. In doing so, Paul unpacks a famous story of generosity that circulated throughout the early church. One church found itself in great need and another responded to that need with a major offering staggering generosity from people who could not afford it. So listen to this from the previous chapter, chapter 8, verses 2 to 5. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability... Entirely on their own, they urged, pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. The church in Macedonia, as it was, became aware of great need and responded to that need with immense generosity. Generosity. And we see that happening here in Aldridge Parish Church. We give to lots of needy uh, situations, to Operation South America, something birthed in this parish. Uh, we give to that on a regular basis. To Crassive Aid, uh, another ministry uh, to young children. To tear Fund, the project we've taken on, where we're not trying to just bless poor people by giving them money, but to resource them Resource themselves. That's what our project in Uganda is doing. At Christmas time, week after week in early December, we give a different gift, a love gift on top of the offering uh, to something happening in Walsall where there's a real need amongst the most vulnerable people in our society. And as a church, we tithe our giving everything we get in of regular income, we give away a tenth at least every year. And Paul explains in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 that the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's almost like he's saying 2 plus 2 equals not 4, but 5 when you sow bountifully. And it's a great privilege to see that happen. It's an immense privilege to see it happen. And I can remember giving away, when I was a student, my train fare home, thinking I was in college in London, I've got to get back to the Wirral, and I've just given away my train fare. I honoured God with my resources, and I was able to go home. Not hitching a lift, but being provided for. To see as we give bountifully, we receive and see bounty showing itself out. Now, whether we agree with it or not, love it or hate it, sooner or later, there's a basic law of life that asserts itself. Jesus says, the measure you give will be the measure you get. Generous living reaps a harvest of love and kindness. Generosity toward other people reaps a harvest. Part of Lynn's prayers were about dreadful situations in God's world where bitterness between ethnic groups, where attacking people just because they have a different faith or ethnicity results in the most horrific actions. Imagine a world in which generosity toward those who are different to us was the hallmark of how humanity lived. The world would be changed and Lynn's prayer would be a different one. I suspect it's human nature to reject this kind of generous truth because there's something about our insecurities as human beings that require us to hold things to ourselves and to feel safe with what we know rather than what is strange. If you're someone who does the lottery let me tell you that it's based on the faint hope that by sheer statistical improbability we might reap that which we haven't sowed. It is not like that in real life, even those seemingly lucky breaks through doing the lottery are the result of countless sowing of other people's resources. If we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. In our more reflective moments, we know the basic truth of this biblical phrase. And Jesus says in Luke 6, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Generosity is not about cash. It is a lifestyle. And the cash is only a detail. It is about a generosity to others. There is an immense privilege in living generously so that others may live. And even in our modern world, there's an immense need for Christians and others to give generously so that the needs of others can be met. And I'm staggered to live in the United Kingdom and I count it a privilege to live in the United Kingdom. But to see a growing number of people who are economically vulnerable at a time when the world has become a different place, blows my head off. But there is more to giving than just meeting need. Generosity for the Christian is not a seasonal act, but as I have said, a lifestyle. And frankly, and this is the heart of what I want to say, we at APC need generosity to become infectious. And for a greater proportion of the congregation to share in regular and sacrificial giving. For more of us to embrace generosity in all its dimensions in our lifestyle. Now back in the scriptures, God had worked in the lives of the Christians at Macedonia. They had responded to God's love in Jesus and their generosity, wait for it, made them eager to give so that the ministry of God's church may flourish and touch the lives of others. Chapter 9, 12 and 13. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies living under God's reign. Your confession of the gospel of Christ. And so my next point is simply this. Real need needs a tangible response and in the case of the macedonians it was given it was about giving generously to support the members of a very poor church they were poor but they were generous to others aldridge parish church so chill out is not a poor church not a remotely poor church But its extensive ministries are costly to sustain and a big challenge to develop. Our budget, which is just a budget to balance the books, for this year is £278,795. That's before anything extra. That's just running the ministries that we have. And based on last year's giving, which still ended in the black, This year will result in a small deficit of £6,431. Now, I just want to tell you, we have an amazing treasurer. I hope he sleeps at night, because when he presents the accounts, he presents them with such absolute calm. He tells us, there's probably going to be a little bit of a deficit at the end of the year. But I'm sure it'll be fine, and God will provide. And God has, and that's wonderful. But we do need a lot of money. So, forgetting those figures, to illustrate the need—and this is the point of my talk today—to illustrate the need to develop giving across the generation, the congregation. We know that last year, 86 givers gave to our general funds some 134,000 of our total regular giving. Not half, but that's a small proportion of people in our congregation. A small number, a a very small number, had to reduce their giving downwards because of personal circumstances. And we would expect that to happen, of course, because we give proportionately to our resources. That resulted in a drop of £15,000 in our annual income. But still, we ended the year in the black. And God is faithful. And perhaps those figures, and it's not my job to deal with them, and I know nothing about your giving, I promise you. Perhaps those figures give us cause to be thankful and to see why today I prefaced my talk by saying this. We're praying here in Aldridge Parish for a breakthrough, a breakthrough in the Holy Spirit, a breakthrough in mission and a breakthrough in generosity which involves a huge cross-section of our congregation. And that would be an achievement unsurpassed in our history. So people here have been very sacrificial over the years, very dedicated, very generous, but it has been a proportion of the congregation that have been part of the active ministry and the active giving. And the breakthrough we must pray for, and like our vision, it's down to you, is that that becomes spread as a generous spirit throughout the entire congregation. So we don't just want to balance the books. We want to extend, as did these churches here, the impact of our ministry. Now, if we were to develop our ministries, if we were to move beyond balancing our books, then we would, I think, as a result of some research that's been done for Aldridge Parish, probably end up making two appointments. We agreed as a church council some while ago, and I reluctantly held back, we agreed to appoint a worship pastor part-time. We know that we've got immense talent in our church, but we want to bring it together so that in worshipping God wholeheartedly, we build a whole new culture of deep worship to God. And we think we need someone to pull that together. And that would be our intention to appoint that. The, the PCC, in looking at what uh, we need and how we function as a parish as a whole, and here where we're a bit more complicated Came, we came up with the idea, it was recommended to us, that we appoint an operations manager. Somebody who would pull together all the big threads of stuff that is often done by folk. And that's to ensure that we operate well and release as many as we can into our ministry. Those two appointments, neither of them full-time, 35 to 40,000. To develop our outreach... Which, as a consequence of our prayer day, you said was a big, big priority. We probably could put aside another £10,000 to do something really very significant. And there are plans afoot to help us with that, but no appointment to be made at this stage or no particular financial investment. That's £50,000 ish beyond the scope of our regular budget. These figures are not about balance in the books, but an aspiration for all God's people to embrace this together. An aspiration for generosity. And to give you a figure, our numbers are bigger than this, but £50,000 shared between 250 adults would involve everybody giving an extra £200 on top of their present giving. Now we have. Per year. Yeah, not every week. <laughs> Chill out. Somebody help that person who's just had a heart attack. Now do you see the point that I'm making? We can't do that. Some of you can't afford to do that. So some of us would have to give more. But the only way we could move from balancing the books and praising the Lord that we close the little deficit, the only way we can expand, if it's going to cost money, Is by an increase of giving that stretches across the congregation. Really, really important. And that's the bit, folks, that we've never accomplished. Great generosity, I'm going to talk about it in a minute, but we've never had that spread in our regular giving. To achieve such a vision led budget would help APC get to a place in its regular giving that is an immense step forward. In June, we're going to be holding a special service to give thanks for completing the project of the centre. £1.4 million. And it'll be paid off. It'll be paid off, God willing, in May. And one of the reasons why I haven't preached on giving for two years, did a little bit, I haven't preached on it, is because we wanted to focus upon the centre, Deal with that and move on. You have been, as God's people, in a broad way, amazing in meeting that need. But it's now a resource for the mission of the kingdom of God that we can say, thank you, Lord, we'll maintain it to your glory, and we'll extend its impact as best we can. But wouldn't it be amazing if together we could genuinely improve our giving Overall, And it's spread through the congregation. God's love is being poured out through those who are cheerful and joyous in their giving, says Paul in this passage. It's part of the gift. Generous living and generous giving enhances our joy. Jesus said that he wants joy to be in us and our joy to be complete or full. And that's why in chapter 7 of that passage, it says God's, God delights in a cheerful giver. Now, at this point, I wish I had a mirror because you're not looking very cheerful at the minute. <laughs> this is part of being a follower of Jesus. It's not a sales pitch, it's not, gives your cash. It's just the outflow of our response to God. And we want to see, as a parish, a breakthrough. A story. A young minister pastoring a church in Birmingham preached once a month at a nursing home. The lay leader of this worship service was a resident. In his younger days, Jim, not his real name, had been a professional musician for some big bands. An exuberant, joyful Christian, now in his 80s, Jim Gleason still played his trombone very loudly. And they were glad he played his trombone very loudly in the home because they were all stone deaf. It was great... And Jim's joy was infectious. It flowed out onto all those who were around him. And when asked why he continued to play, Jim would comment, When I came to the Lord, the trombone came with me. Jim lived a joyful life. It showed in his aliveness, in his generosity of person. Life for Jim was in the giving And his testimony was that coming to faith in Christ changed his approach to life. His life was offered back to God who had given Jesus his son to us. It is all about Jesus. And our money as Christians, only if we're Christians, is all about Jesus. That's the heart of it and our response to him. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus, we say week after week, when the collection plate comes around and most of us don't even put money in the collection because we do it through other means, just pass it by. We're not a church that's after people's money. We're after people knowing God. And as they know God, as David Lee said very winsomely the other day when he was talking to us, he said about tithing. He just mentioned this word tithing, giving a tenth of your income. And he said, if you're new Christians, save that for another week save that for another week you've got a little shock coming so then our giving is always as followers of Jesus and generosity as the outflow of our life in Christ and the blessing comes when the giving is joyous and willing and Paul cements his conviction that the gift of giving is inextricably linked with joy by stressing that the decision is given to take in, to, is taken individually and without force. This is not me aggressively asking people to give. It's asking you to open your hearts to God and respond out to that response. Verse 7 in full each of you must give as you have been made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The gift of giving in cheerfulness or joy not only enhances the value of our gifts, but also provides real worth for them. Whether it's large or small, a gift of friendship, support, money, you name it, it rebounds back on us. And there this is again in verses 8 and 10 of our passage. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. In verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. This is where the Bible starts to get a bit pointed. It says that loving Jesus makes a practical difference to how we handle every bit of our lives. And so as I close... To share in the gift of generous giving, we must live by trust. And that's a big challenge to some of us. And we must act in love and both call for generosity. Paul says in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way for your generosity. So living generously requires an abundance of love. It starts with God's love and shows itself in our love for God. Love for neighbour. Love for God's work. Love that flows over into generous, open-handed giving of time, money, hospitality, abilities, and our very lives. As you leave today, you'll be given a leaflet. It's a leaflet produced by the Church of England called Living Generously. There's one for every household. And it summarizes, basically, the message that I've shared with you today. We feel... This is really an important stage in the life of our parish, and it's entirely in your hands. Our church council has agreed that each one of them will review their giving in the coming weeks, and they will sign to say that they have done so, and put a chart up at the back. Not to boast, but they're leading something and modelling something to the church. You can give by envelopes, you can give by standing order, you can do tax efficient giving, I do payroll giving. um, But fundamentally, today is not about sums, it's about a corporate response. And so I'm going to ask you now, if you will, to stand in silence as God's people together. And then I'm going to pray for us all, me included. Father God. We gather today as your people. We thank you for your work in our lives. We pray for a great breakthrough of grace, of empowering of your spirit, of equipping for mission, and of a longing to follow you day by day. And as we embrace whole life discipleship, we, your people, pledge to think through our own generosity and to see if we can't achieve something completely new in our congregation, where the joy of giving is spread throughout the whole body of Christ. Speak to us individually, but draw us together in this common grace. For Jesus' sake. Amen.